0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. President Biden will give his not the State of the Union speech to Congress this week, so more parts of the administration's agenda could come into sharper focus and give Congress more things to disagree on. For a preview of this and other matters in the week ahead, WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller. And they don't call it State of the Union in the first year, but it is a, one of those great chances to roll out the wish list.
1: That's right. This is the address to the joint session of Congress, not a State of the Union, as you noted. And also, there are plenty of opportunities for more disagreements with members of Congress. But for now, the president's address taking place on Monday, he is going to outline what the administration calls its American Families Plan. This is the next phase of his economic rescue package for the country. Obviously, this will follow the COVID relief plan. It will focus on issues like expanding child care, paid leave, pre-K education. Education, lowering college costs. The plan is reportedly around $1.5 trillion. Now, this would be on top of the more than $2 trillion infrastructure plan, and there's a lot of speculation about how this would be paid for, and the White House is looking at a wide range of tax increases on the wealthy as well as on the capital gains tax. The infrastructure plan, as you know, has been proposed to be paid for with a tax hike on corporations, which Republicans strongly oppose. GOP lawmakers, meanwhile, have their own $568 billion infrastructure plan that they rolled out last week. The White House says President Biden plans to meet with some Republicans after this joint session this week to address that issue and to begin negotiation on infrastructure. So a lot of work ahead now.
0: Yeah, that family plan comes with a jumbo size spending, too, I guess, doesn't it? It That's right.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of costs involved in this proposal. And one of the things that is related to federal paid leave that a lot of lawmakers are, of course, trying to tuck things into some of these proposals. One of them is Maryland Senator Chris Van Hollen, who, as we've talked about, has been very active on trying to expand uh, family and medical leave. Um, As you know, he's been very active in helping to get 12 weeks of paid parental leave for federal workers to care for a new child. Now this new legislation would expand on that. Under the FMLA, the Family Medical and Leave Act, parental leave is paid. Family and medical leave are not currently paid. Van Hollen and supporters of this legislation argue that providing paid leave would actually save the government money over the long term in turnover and in replacement costs uh, among some of its provisions uh, to care for a spouse or child or parent of the employee. If they have a serious health condition, because of a serious health condition that makes the employee unable to perform functions of of their work, and also uh, because of any qualifying problem arising out of the fact that the spouse or child or parent of the employee is on covered active duty related to military service. So a lot of provisions here, a lot of costs, but a lot of talking to do before any of this actually gets implemented.
0: Sure. And also to get into the issue that affects a lot of federal employees, there is the, we already had a hearing on the nominee for the Office of Personnel Management, Kieran Ahuja. What's going on there? Was she well received? And when could that vote come up?
1: Well, she was fairly well received uh, during a Senate hearing last week. And she basically laid out her plans for what she wants to do with the agency. A lot of lawmakers are very concerned about the fact that there's been a lot of turnover at OPM, that the leadership needs to be more stable. She says she is committed to staying on as the head of OPM. Uh, the actual vote is, has not been scheduled, and she was not formally recommended out of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee last week. But overall, she does seem to be on a fairly smooth path to getting confirmed. One of the things that she said she will try to do, as many previous OPM uh, leaders have said, is she will try to modernize a lot of the IT issues within OPM, also try to streamline the federal retirement process. She says both of those kind of go hand in hand. And then she also committed to better training with in the agency and, again, a continued effort to have more telework. She says there's still a lot of possibilities there. So it does look like she is on, as I said, probably a glide path to getting confirmed. Uh, they really want to get this position filled. But uh, there is some skepticism, I must say, among some lawmakers about what can actually get done at OPM. There have been many promises over the years about modernization and getting things changed, and they really want to see some action.
0: We're speaking with Mitchell Miller, Capitol Hill correspondent for WTOP, and then there's the ongoing question of congressional operations themselves, particularly that commission to investigate what happened on January 6th, a 9-11 type of commission, and they're still arguing over that one, even while milking it for all it's worth.
1: Right. There was a lot of momentum, as you know, right after the January 6th insurrection, and a lot of people thought this 9-11 commission was going to come together fairly quickly. However, then it stalled. There's been some movement. Movement here and there. And then really, in the last couple of weeks, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tried to get things moving again. Uh, one of the big problems uh, from the Republican standpoint was when she originally proposed this, she said the commission should have more Democrats than Republicans, basically arguing that because it's reflective of the president, the new President Biden, of course, is a Democrat. But Republicans say, let's put it down the middle. So uh, she has pulled back on that and now says she is willing to have uh, equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats on that commission. Another issue is how subpoenas would be issued. There's concern within both parties about whether or not Democrats or Republicans would try to go in one direction on subpoenas and then the other party would go in a different direction. So they're making some progress on that, basically saying that the chair and the uh, vice chair of the commission could both equally uh, dole out s- subpoenas as they investigate things. But really, the crux of the matter is the actual Focus of what this commission will do and Nancy Pelosi believes firmly that it should still remain what actually happened leading up to the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. Republicans say that that is too narrow. They're, they're worried that it might only focus on what was done or not done by former President Trump and tie into all the things that went into impeachment. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the House's top Republican, says he thinks it should be much broader and that he sh- says they should look at things like the protests last summer that happened in Washington, D.C., and even mentioned uh, the fact that a few weeks ago that another Capitol police officer was killed in that attack when a car ran over him just a few weeks ago. So a lot of issues about the scope of whether this commission is going to come together. It's really difficult to see when this is going to actually all come together because both sides are so far apart. But, uh, House Speaker Pelosi says she will continue to try to reach out to Republicans. Kevin McCarthy says he would like to have direct talks with her about some of these issues. So we'll have to see what happens. But for now, this one is really stalled.
0: And Mitchell, getting back to one other group of federal employees, what about the Capitol Hill police? Is there any disposition in Congress to deal with that seemingly ongoing issue?
1: there's still a lot of ongoing issues with the Capitol Police. Morale is definitely low. I've talked to some officers who say it's really never been this bad in the time that they've been on the force. And these are veteran officers. There's a lot of concern about who the next leader of the Capitol Police will be. Right now, the union does not support the acting chief, Yogananda Pittman. Uh, She has tried to raise her profile over the last few months and tried to be more communicating with the public on some of the issues that they're reviewing viewing, but the union really wants another person in that role. Interestingly, they do not want somebody brought in from the outside. They say that people that were brought in from the outside, uh, they didn't have a lot of confidence in, but they don't want to continue with her tenure. So they want someone else. And there are some names that they've mentioned that they would like to have considered seriously for this job. This will be a very difficult job moving forward. Obviously, there are still a lot of concerns about how many more more capital Police officers are actually going to be hired. Many of these officers are working very, very long shifts right now because they simply haven't been able to hire as many uh, members of the department through the pandemic and everything in the wake of January 6th. So and then on top of that, you add to the fact that the inspector general testified again last week, outlining more problems in connection with the police. A lot of recommendations under consideration, a lot of security issues still to be resolved. So a tough situation right now for the Capitol Police Department.
0: WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller will post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash federal drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA.
2: Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, Since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, Great man theory, the leader follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate copy but great leaders they have more than one style I think I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time so what we're trying to do is is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper tell us about your a story in your past tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others, and this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, Today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today, we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves, and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation, uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, My father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, He joined the federal government in the 1960s. John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask, not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, I've led. This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion, we serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime and uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service
1: grab a 30 day free trial of live by live plus and you'll get unlimited skips commercial free music and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle visit livexlive.com/podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial